Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green and released in 2018. The plot of Halloween goes something like this. Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. And as we usually do, we will do a bit of a spoiler-free section up front to tell you whether we think you should see Halloween, the 2018 sequel. I mean, if you like Halloween, I think it's worth watching. It's definitely got, uh, it definitely understands the original and why it's good and has a lot of the good elements of it. It's a lot gorier, like a lot gorier. Like the original often cuts away from things that this one just shows you, but also doesn't have the makeup effect technology that this one has. True. Um, but it's fun and it's, it's you know, um, yeah, I think if you like the original, you'll probably enjoy this. Yeah, if you like horror movies, you'll probably enjoy this. As regular listeners know, I'm not the biggest horror person. So some of my discomfort with the movie will come from not particularly enjoying the experience rather than not thinking it's a good movie. I think it's actually pretty well made. And certainly I watched the original last night so that I would be up to speed at least on that. And yeah, it certainly knows its source material. It's quite clever about how it shoots things and it uses some of some of the good techniques uh, that came out of that film. So that definitely, if you're into it, go and see it. But, it, you know, if you're not, well, you'll know because I know lots of people don't like horror movies because they tell me about it all the time. Yes, I know lots of people don't like horror movies because they tell me about it all the time too. And for, for a long time I was the only person, or well, I only had one other friend who would sometimes go see horror movies with me. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we will uh, roll into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen halloween either the 2018 version or the 1978 one because we'll probably spoil that because we both just watched it stop now and come back when you have yeah i i mean i enjoyed this movie i kind of almost don't like that all three of the women survived in the end because it's so like there's so and this this one's um death count is much higher than the originals um, but it's it's almost like too convenient that they could all escape him and they could all fight him, you know. Like it it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's it it kind of diminishes his power a little bit because he's so strong, mm. right? Like he's so strong and nobody else stood a chance against him. Why do all three of these these women stand a well, chance I mean, against him? The thing is, that's a problem with the original. Though Laurie is no stronger or smarter than the other girls. No, she's just luckier. I think. Yeah. I mean, in the original, she's not. She doesn't do any except for think fast on her feet and sort of try yeah. and fight and back. She gets lucky in that the first time he gets her, he cuts her shirt, mm. not her. So, I, yeah, I, I think it probably had wanted to say more about mothers and daughters and granddaughters mm. than it did about actually feeling a bit of realism or putting that those stakes in there i think that's the thing is because the original has this um it was it's so scary because it's it's in such an ordinary world mm. like that kind of suburbia is so familiar and so um mm. so it feels so safe yeah and he just invades every kind of aspect of that safety he's constantly in the back of the shot or just around the corner you never know when you're going to see him and it's that sense of um yeah the paranoia that it creates yeah that sense the, of the loss tension. of safety in your neighborhood yeah. right exactly and that's why it's so effective right because it's so it's such an ordinary 
place and he's so um extraordinary i suppose Mm. um and this one doesn't really have that to me um and you know from the beginning you kind of know that he and laurie are going to face off and that laurie will be okay Mm. like the likelihood of her dying just seems so low Mm. so to me that was a little bit like i i wouldn't have minded so much if she had died and the other two had survived or she you know she had died yeah. to help her daughter and granddaughter or something. Yeah, yeah. The, or one of the others a had survived sa- a sacrifice in a, play. Had, yeah. Or one of the others had died in a surprise moment or mm. something. But as, he's so – it just seems crazy to me that he's so powerful, but they were fine. And as with, like, him, uh, and he, he has to escape at the end because there's no fun without him and Laurie. Yeah, even though it's insane that he could possibly yeah. escape from a- And it would have made a really good story if Laurie had died trying to save her daughter or her granddaughter. Mm. Yeah, it would have. I mean, I, I – I, you know, I know it's all very predictable in that way as well, but at least it would have had a bit more power to it. Yeah. Because I feel like this is just a movie that you kind of see and go, oh, that was good, and then forget about. Yeah. I, I like that there was that sort of matrilineal strength of all the, the women in the family. Mm. Like, I think that was nice, and I think it was nice that they got through and they survived together, and I think probably that's what they were more keen on having having that happen. They also probably wanted to keep those actresses around. True. Especially, I, I was so pleased to see a use of Judy Greer that I could actually get behind. Uh. Um, she got to do stuff in this movie. And not just do stuff, but have multiple aspects to her personality and have some complexity mm. and stuff. And not just be a wife or a mother. Yeah, that's right. And she, and there, there could be a good story next time around because she's lost her husband in this one. Well, thank like, God she lost her husband he was, in this one. Yeah, oh God, he was the worst. <laughs> just so bad and nobody like nobody not even on screen cared that like their dad or husband had died no nope. because they were like, well she has a moment where she's like oh no where's ray but then she kind of then she just it. kind of forgets about it and allison doesn't even ask about her dad she's just like mom where are you mm. so you know and and he's just like so i don't know he's such a th- they make such a thing of his character like he's introduced putting mousetraps down going i'm going to kill you and all of your family mm. and like he's so I don't know, annoying. He's so annoying. And the thing is about this movie is that... Of course he gets along with his stupid boyfriend. All of the men in this movie are terrible. To a man. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. The The only one that isn't terrible is that um, Officer Hawkins, who is more just sort of slightly inept. Yeah, uh, and um, there is a boy who is not useless, the little boy oh, yeah. that she babysits. Who is He's not a man. He doesn't care. Amazing and delightfully foul-mouthed, and he is so funny. And it seems like he escapes, but it's a question that's not actually answered by the film. But that's not something these films exactly get into, it's in, which it is answering every question. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that the um, it, it followed through the thread of babysitters actually protecting their charges which is nice because laurie protects yeah um the two of them in the first one absolutely um i i do like to see babysitters who aren't terrible sometimes yeah and people who, are, who actually care about the kids they're looking that's after. right they're competent um which is, is a good thing about it i thought it was very sweet when the girl who was dying was like julian run away yeah I thought that was good i was glad that she did that mm, yeah that's right and also it it reverses the absolute terribleness of um annie as a babysitter in the first one she's just a terrible babysitter i know and the kid's just sitting there watching tv and just like and annie's like i'm doing this and the kid is like "Uh, whatever like it's just a terrible terrible situation Mm. and then as soon as she gets to um to laurie like the kid is playing and they're doing stuff and they have activities going on it's funny watching 
I know we're not supposed to be reviewing the old film, but the, Jamie Lee Curtis in 1978, she was only 19, but she's the character and possibly her, I don't know, she's so, like, mature. Mm. Like, she's the, the Jamie Lee Curtis being a mum was so perfect and she's, like, a teenager at the time, but she's great at it. She is, and she's she has so much presence in the first film that she just kind of wipes everybody else off the screen whenever she's on it. Oh, she's um, so good. Her voice, for one thing, I really love in the first movie. <laughs> she doesn't sound anything like the other girls that she's friends with, you know. She, she so. has her grown-up voice already yeah. at that point. Like, she's that, that sort of low register that she speaks in that's quite sort of iconic. And she's also, like, she's tall and stuff like that. So she's very um, already huge presence. And it was her first movie. Um, yeah. Which is just insane how good she was straight off the gate. Yeah, I agree. I think she's so great in that first film. And, um, you know, the teenagers from this one are okay, I guess. I, I wasn't terribly impressed with any of them, really. Mm. Yeah, None I, of them stood out. And the girl I, who played Alison was fine, but she definitely doesn't stand out like um, a young Jamie Lee Curtis does. Yeah, and they made the, the boyfriend and the other boy just awful. All of all three of the boys. All three of the boys are terrible. There's the kid from Blockers, mm. who I genuinely thought was gay for the first like third of the movie, and I don't know why. Oh, I didn't care enough to. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like he was the quirky gay friend that was hanging out with them or something, and then he turned mm. out to be that girl's boyfriend, and I was like, well, now I'm even less invested and mm. interested in these characters. Yeah. But he, like is, you know, a stoner and blows up pumpkins just for fun and all this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, he's awful. He's not the worst, but he's not great. No, um, all of these teenage boys are just awful people. Yeah. Like, you just, ugh. Yeah. I did appreciate the uh, Bonnie and Clyde with a twist. As soon as he said with a twist, I was like, oh, is he going to be Bonnie? And then he was. That's exactly what they did, yeah. Yes, and I thought that was cute, but, like, you know, ineffective ultimately. Yeah, because it, it, be, it prefigured just, him being a dick as well. Yeah. Just would be nice to have like one other teenager that's not terrible. Mm. Um, well, part oh, of the, the blonde girl wasn't terrible. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Well, part of the fun of the original is that you've got the three girls and their relationship. Mm. Like they kind of they can be definitely stupid at times. The other girls, but like you get a real sense of these are uh, real kids who, you know, behave like real teenagers. You know, they have the si- similarly like self centered and and stuff like that. They. Yeah, you can you can feel like they are real teenagers. You would you can imagine these kids, but I didn't quite get the same sense of the more modern kids. No, yeah, you didn't get the sense that they were really friends or anything. Mm. Um, the the focus of the relationships was much more on the family relationships. Mm. I really liked the bit where when Laurie came to dinner mm. and struggled so hard with it, and she was you could see she was really trying to make an effort, you know, yeah, yeah. really making an effort to be there for her granddaughter, but just couldn't do it. Yes, she's so – she loves that kid, right? Mm. And the, the granddaughter-grandmother relationship is kind of sweet. It's that sort of – the good thing about grandparent relationships is that the grandparent-grandchild relationship is often a lot more harmonious than the parent-child relationship because the intensity and the – just the sort of, you know, necessity of protecting the child and all that kind of that, – all that baggage isn't there. Um, with grandchildren, it's kind of – they're at a remove and so often they have these these great relationships and this is another example of that. Mm. Yeah, no, the effort that uh, Laurie makes to, like, find her and stuff and the cool bit. Well, that was weird, though, actually, because she doesn't. I would have thought she'd go out on the streets and try and actually track her down. Oh, later on. Oh, yeah, no, I, we'll bring that up later. But the bit at the beginning where they have her, like, waiting outside the school like <laughs> Michael Myers, amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. And I'm I, 
that is a recreation, like a, a yeah, shot, yeah. For shot, shot for shot recreation yep. of the original. Right down to where she sits in the class. Yeah, the and the way the class that looks. that said, that what they're studying. Mm. Yeah, everything. No, yeah, later on I was like, they're just going to drive to her house and let the police pick up her daughter. Like, I just don't understand that. Like, I wouldn't let – like, if there was, you know – I'm such a paranoid person who worries about everything. But like, so if there was a fire, I wouldn't let somebody else come back and get my cat. I would get my cat myself. I would have him in his cage, no matter how much he complained or pooed and like take him with me everywhere. And he's my cat. He's not my kid. Yeah. Like if it were my kid who was not yet found in the neighborhood where all the shit was going down, I wouldn't be going anywhere until I found her. Yeah. And I, I don't understand that, especially not with their history. Exactly, and especially not Laurie being Laurie, you know. And knowing that if he knows Laurie's granddaughter's out and about, he's going to go after her. True, but does he know I don't. That? I don't know if he knows anything about Laurie's descendants because clearly there's been that rift between her and Judy Greer. But, like, as if they wouldn't... But also, where, well, how would he have found out any of that stuff? Yeah, he, he doesn't... Except that maybe if the creepy doctor had told him about yeah. it. Because oh, <laughs> that creepy doctor... I actually quite liked that character because he was straight out of a 70s movie. And the he was, actor wasn't knew he? it too. Yeah, yeah. Like the actor was playing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I I think he was one of the best characters in the movie mm-hmm. because he just was such a such a throwback character. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a way that felt very consistent with the the series and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was almost sad when he went because yeah, because he was kind of a I don't know, just something fun to watch. I yeah, guess. Yeah. He was, and it was a throwback to the, um, again, to the 1978 version um, with the Loomis and <laughs> looming Loomis creeping around in the bushes and the, the sheriff as well. Yeah, exactly, in that relationship. And um, I'm just remembering that shot now where they're talking and Michael's in the car in the background and there's no musical cue or anything. He just stops at lights mm. and turns the corner while the two of them are talking and he's just always there, <laughs> always looming. Oh, yeah. Because well, that's fantastic because Michael Myers has this such – like distinctive theme music. Mm. And so it's always used very, very deliberately. Mm. And John Carpenter wrote that music. I mean... It's such a good score. Such a good score. He was just... He's just such a talented dude. Mm. <laughs> like, but yeah, the, I, I'm, I don't know like if he's got health problems or whatever, but he hasn't directed in a while mm. and it, it would have been really cool if he directed this. Yeah. But yeah, he, he just... I mean, the talent that went into the original Halloween. Again, I have this... Um, I know I've said it before, but like to make a good... To make a good scary movie, the only thing you really genuinely need is good talent behind the camera mm. and like a good sense of timing and all that stuff. And that's the thing about the original is just it's so good and almost nothing happens. Mm. It's like, you know, it should be slow and it should be boring, but it's never slow and it's never boring. You're always kind of into it and on your toes and stuff, even though very little is happening because mm. it's all just building up to a moment that then he will either pull away from you, like, you know, when you think Annie's going to die in the laundry, and then, fine, just goes back in the house, no big deal. And then later on, he's just suddenly, you know, there. Yeah. Um, And then there's other bits where, like, you think the jump scare is over. When I think it's when he does kill... I think it's when he kills Annie. I don't remember. When when she goes into the bedroom to find and finds the three bodies, right? Mm. Annie's on the bed with the headstone. She turns around, opens the cupboard, and um, the boy is swinging like a jack in a box. Mm. And then she opens the other cupboard to see the other friend. That Mm. kind of bang, bang, bang that gets you. 
That's what I wrote. It's like finding Annie, the, the jump scares is finding Annie. You think it's done and then bam and then bam. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. Just, and also, um, and this movie does that quite effectively in one moment as well. But it's that kind the, of. I think the babysitting moment with the, the when Michael's yeah. in the cupboard. Which is a direct sort of parallel to Michael being in the cupboard when the boy finds him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he just opens the cupboard thinking, he's like, come on out of there, or opens the cupboard. And he does come right out of there and stab him up against the wall. And then he does creepy silent head tilt bit. Mm. just like studying him yeah it's really good and that that original film was shot on so little money like Mm -hmm. the fact that he wrote the music because there just wasn't money for like to get an orchestra or a composer in the orchestra that's credited at the end is like him and a guy playing a synth yeah and using all the different sounds on it like it's incredible for you know the and and even like obviously um he knew what he was doing casting jamie lee curtis but it was her first film. Like yeah. she was, you know, famous and Hollywood kid and all that. But it was her first film and she was 19 and no one in it was particularly a big name. It was, you know, shot on the smell of an oily rag. And the fact that it's made so well despite that, like the shots in it, the, the mm. lighting and That the shot, shot of um, when the kid's looking out the window and he sees the boogeyman for the first time mm. and it's this house and there's just like right in the centre of screen one light source directly behind Michael. Mm-hmm is so good yeah and it's so scary yeah and uh, this film i think does lighting well also mm. um but both much of them more do. modern yeah but both of them um yeah it actually does also that um rear window thing of kind of blinding you with spotlights at certain points mm. um which is always clever but it, it both of them play around a lot with lights it's, it's kind of like that playing around with ordinary suburban things like mm. lights and um, and, and doors and cupboards and all that sort of thing. That that sort of where does the danger lurk? And, and lights on and off is always a big signal. Yeah. I really enjoyed also the opening credits of the new film, which, which yeah. throw back to the original one. But in the original one, it's like that pumpkin bit getting bigger, but in this one it inflates. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's like an a, old, ru- yeah. worn out one that becomes a new again. Yeah. yeah. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. That was really fun. Yeah. Um, and they had that retro font on it that meant that they ah. knew they were going to, like, this was going to be a good movie. And then there's that creepy kind of opening scene at the, um, the asylum. institution. Mm. Uh, which was interesting. Yeah. Those journalists, man, they were terrible, terrible people. <laughs> like, oh my. again, all the men in this movie are awful. But that guy, he just started making up his story and then went to interview Laurie, and then the girl goes, oh, yeah, we want to view it through an unbiased lens. And I'm like, you had your story already set in stone before you even talked to her. Yeah. When they rock up at Laurie's gate, and he's like, we're making a podcast. And I just was like, and, and she she interjects, we're investigative journalists. Like, yeah. oh my, he's so, that, that, that sort of arrogance if we're making a podcast you definitely want to be a part like come on buddy <laughs> it was so funny it and also laugh laurie in her fort knows what podcasts are sure well yeah that's right laurie who's still got the old school um phone like in the original mm. with the other she clearly does have a mobile oh actually maybe she doesn't she just because she does call the granddaughter at various times so she must have a mobile phone on her I'm, i feel like that kind of technology would be something she would definitely adopt because I know Judy Greer need, has a cell phone. But, yeah, she calls – but she calls multiple times, right? And some of those times when she's calling, she's also in the car or yeah, doing other things. So yeah, she sure. must have a cell phone of some kind. And I feel like also Laurie Strode would be up on, like, technology that can make her safer. 
yeah. and those kind of things. And almost certainly, like, she has um, Find My Friends activated for the granddaughter so she can see where she – actually, oh, yeah, because um, that's why they have to get rid of the phone. Mm. I don't, it wasn't actually a plot point, but it wouldn't – it's one of, the, one of the other reasons they need to get rid of the granddaughter's phone is because mm. it makes it harder to find. Yeah, which actually they weaved into the plot quite well. Mm, yeah. Like that fight that she has with the boyfriend yeah. is character driven but also advances the plot. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really good way to do it. Yeah, and gets him out of the way because he's a dick. He is a dick. He doesn't get to die, does he? No. How disappointing. I know. <laughs> the other guy does, mm. which is fine. But, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the horny teenagers always get punished. Yes. Yeah, I'm never a big fan of that no um, but, but he was also so icky to, yeah like, he was the way icky. he behaved with her was utterly inappropriate so yes i didn't actually mind but yes horny teenagers always get punished in this i mean that's the thing about the older film is that it apparently not intentionally invented all the tropes about um girls getting punished for having sex or teens getting punished for having sex and the it final was, girl being you know virginal and responsible yes i think it was definitely a progenitor of it but um friday the 13th was also a real um that was very yeah, yeah. Influential on that front as well. Uh, that the final girl is virginal. Mm, yeah. And that horny teenagers always get punished. But yeah, you can see how they could a- sort of unintentionally do that because she's the only one who's actually doing her job and not getting distracted. And that's why she's yeah. on top of things that are happening. Well, yeah, she's very like, they're all kind of teenage cliches. Like the other two are all interested in boys and clothes and the dance. And she's like, the responsible one who goes back for her chemistry book and is actually a good babysitter and all that kind of thing. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, I, like, they wrote them how they wrote them and it, it sort of probably wasn't something they intended. And I also think that, like, Jamie Lee Curtis just kind of suits being someone who is competent and, you know, it's one of the in reasons, control kind of that, thing. That's one of the reasons why I think I just, there's something just sad about this movie that, like, Laurie, who was so competent and so, you know, um, sanguine sanguine and smart and all that sort of stuff, just then had a very difficult life yeah. because of what happened to her when she was young. It's very, I mean, it's probably very realistic and the PTSD would be very, have a strong effect on her, I'm sure. Um, mm. But it is kind of sad that she, you know, yeah, that she is this basket case in this movie, even if she is vindicated in the end. Yeah. But she's never quite. She's only really in her element right at the end when she's fighting Michael. Yeah. And that's a bit sad. Yeah, I'm trying to protect her kid. Yeah, because she's waited 40 years for that moment. God, so. the bit where um, Judy Greer shoots at Michael and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis comes looming out mm. like Michael, it was so good. It was. And J- Judy Greer is like, gotcha. And she comes out <laughs> and she says, happy Halloween, Michael. Yeah, anyway, there were some things I thought were a little on the nose. Um, yeah, it was stuff like that, and it also, was, but it was um, also like cool. The, at the beginning, when when the kids are like, "Wasn't it her brother who did that to her?" and she was like, "No, people just made that up." Yeah, like, like unretconning okay. the whole um, yeah, Laurie and Michael are brothers film, and brother and sister, which is yeah okay. Mm. But and and to be fair, I thought that that was a very stupid revelation. And set up mm. set the scene for a lot of stupid things that happened later in the films. I much prefer it if Michael's just randomly angry. Yeah, and going after people, mm. um, and people that remind him of his sister and all that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I think I I prefer it if Michael's 
I don't know. There's it, because of that sense of like your um, safety in your home being destroyed thing. Mm. It's like, oh no, you'll be fine as long as you're not like the friend of someone who's related to him. Yeah. Is just boring. Yeah. It's much better if he's targeting teenagers because it reminds him of his first kill. Yeah. Like but that's film, he... far scarier because what's Halloween if not a night when teenagers are out in force? In this film, he branches right out. Yeah, he kills, he kills a lot of different people. Yeah, well, like that lady who has a baby just because he needs to get wants to get the knife from her house. Mm. He gets the hammer. Yeah, people lock up your hardware. <laughs> yeah. No, he just sees an opportunity and walks into the house. Yeah, that's actually one of the better deaths, I thought, because it all happens off screen. No, um, we see her dead. On we the, just see her dead, yeah. but the whole thing, um, we see him loom into yeah, yeah. place and then he kills her like out of view of the doorway yeah and then we the camera follows him through it's that um that special camera that they used in the first one not i don't know whether it's quite the same camera but that sort of where we're often in his perspective yeah yeah and the long takes Mm. um which are really really good and i'm glad they went back to those for this film because that's one of the great things about the original is just watch like there's the scene in this one where he goes into that second woman's house Mm. and he's just he's on the street and then he's about to go after that girl, that woman dressed as a nurse, mm. but her husband comes back out. So instead he goes back to this other house. So it's total luck, like just yeah. bad or good luck, yeah. you know. All and then random. it's so good because then he walks in, you see his reflection in the window, you see his shadow go past, mm. and then he's in. Mm-hmm. And it's all in one all, single yeah. take. And all while she's on the phone to her friend, yeah, I'll lock my doors. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you called. Yeah, all that. Yeah. And he grabs so her by good. the ponytail. It's and goes through the neck too. Yeah. That was like the one <laughs> that was my favorite death, I think, mm. with the effect on that. I was like, that's good. That's a good effect. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I think some of the others were more nasty for nastiness's sake, mm. um, especially the the curb stomp oh. of the doctor was nasty, I yeah. think, for nastiness's sake. Yeah. This one, that one was just more, this is just what happened. Mm. Like, this is the most convenient way to kill her right now. Yeah. Um, I think is... I think I enjoyed that death more because that was the case. Mm. Um, whereas the curb stomp there, I was like, oh, that's yeah. so gross. And it's it's so bad a thing to happen to the doctor who was creepy and murdered the sheriff. Like yeah. he gets a death that makes the audience feel sorry for him. I don't think we – I didn't feel very sorry for him. I don't know. I don't – I didn't, to be fair, feel sorry for most of the people who died. The kid at the beginning, I hated that. That was really upsetting for me. Mm. Um, I was like, he's just a kid who, like, he didn't even do anything wrong. He likes dance classes. Yeah, that was sad. Um, I didn't like that. That made me really upset. Yeah. Um, the rest of them, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and the the women who didn't do anything either, who were just in their houses, I didn't like. No, I felt nice. bad for them. Well, especially, but this, not in the same way. The first one also, like, there's a baby there, and he walks over and he leaves the baby ultimately, but he walks over and looks at it. Yeah, that was creepy. That was horrible. But I think. He just sort of goes, like, oh, I don't see why Michael would kill a baby. No, I don't Because he, he kills out of either convenience or because they remind him of his sister. And yeah. a baby doesn't do any of that and stuff. It's, it's just no there. threat to him. So right, exactly. No yeah, I think that's it. the primary reason he killed that kid, because he mm. wanted the car and he was a threat with the yeah. gun. But still, that was so upsetting. Was, yeah, because it's such a sweet little kid who's trying to tell his dad that he didn't want to go hunting and fishing so much because he was missing dance class and dance was where he was at at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, so cute. And then, but also the 911 call and he was like, I'll go check. And I was like, surely a 911 person would say to a child who he was clearly a child on the yeah. phone. 
be stay safe where you are. Yeah. Like, I don't know that a 911 person would be like, get out of the car and go check on someone. Well, no. Like, it's one of those things like in first aid where the first the first letter is D, as in danger, as in if there's danger to yourself, don't proceed to take any action. Right. Like, don't kill, don't you die or don't you drown trying to save someone else from drowning kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the father wants him to stay in the car and everything. Mm. That was, I didn't like that. <laughs> that was no. Maybe more than anything else, more than any of the other deaths. Yeah, and his death gets to echoes um, Annie's from the film in the car. Yeah, well, I, yeah. About that, how on earth did he kill Annie in the car? There is no, like, death thing that happens to her before she's just dying. Well, he's choking her with his hands. Yeah, but then she he's let go of her when she dies. Uh, it yeah, kind of okay. looks like he, like, slit her throat or something, but there's no blood and yeah. there's no knife. Or he could have garroted her like he did to Ray, but I don't but know. But there's no... Yeah. Like, it, it, she just dies. Yeah. She just, like, he attacks her and then she just dies of nothing. Yeah, well, this is the thing, and this is why, like, Laurie's so lucky in that first one because the others die really quite easily. Like, he kills a teenage boy who is, you know, would be have a similar strength level to him just by holding him up against a wall and then impaling him on a knife, right? Mm. And it just, yeah. But there's a shock factor to that as well, like, I think one of the reasons why Laurie manages to survive is because he misses her first mm. and then never has the – never gets the um, upper hand with the element of surprise again. Yeah. Because she's – from that point on, she's just expecting him all the time. Yes. Um, and so she's more prepared, mm. whereas none of the others in that film had a chance to prepare. Yeah. I also thought that the, the sequence where he does kill the journalists was quite well done. The teeth coming over the Oh, thing. that was so creepy. <laughs> and then – um, him like just destroying that guy outside the store while she's inside waiting for her own death. Yeah. That was creepy and well done. Yeah, yeah. And he gets a horrible head smash against the wall kind of death. Yeah. Yeah. Like public toilets are terrifying enough, yeah. right? Gross gas station bathrooms. And she's just sitting there waiting and she can't get out. Yeah. I liked that. that she's was a good. good screamer too. That one. She was a good screamer. And, you know, good use of those two terrible characters, mm. really. But definitely a lot of the stuff that happens is because they were around. So, mm. again, convenient. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I thought that was a well-done scene. I thought most of the death scenes in this were pretty good. Mm. Most of them. Yeah. Although I didn't think – I thought that the effect of the kid in the garden who was hitting on Allison could have been a bit better done. Yeah, I mean, it, there was some cool stuff, though, like trying to climb the fence, getting his clothes stuck on the fence, yeah, like that, that stuff. Later cool. on, but like at the beginning of it, I was just like, we all know what's happening here and you're not really shaking up expectations in the way that I feel like you should be for this particular death scene. Mm. And the kid's just like, I'm leaving and just stands there yeah, as well. And I'm like, then leave. Yeah. Everybody in this movie as well does everything so slowly. Mm. There's no sense of panic. <laughs> Like that's a, a problem in the, the other one as well. Like the the sher the sheriff and looming Loomis are like that as well. They're just yes, like they are. And but also like um you know Laurie knocks on people's doors and they're like oh, no, and and everyone's just so like oh no this is suburbia we're all chill. Yes, and, that's true. Um, yeah. I just I was so especially like Hawkins knew he was there on the night that. Yeah. Michael Myers attacked the first time. He was there this time. There's a disturbance and there's a serial killer on the loose. So what does he do? Get out of the car in the slowest mm. manner. It was like a full two minutes of him driving very slowly yeah. up to the driveway, sitting in the car, 
getting out of the car, walking up to the house. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then, uh, like, I, I want to say his name is Dave, but I'm pretty sure that's one of the other characters. Yeah. The, the, other, the guy who, Alice, who hits on Allison. I know he's drunk, but, like, he's like, okay, I'm leaving your garden. You're being really creepy. Does he leave the garden? No. He just stands there. Yeah. And just waits to be killed. Yeah. Or just waits to be confronted by this guy. Yeah. Like, even a teenager who's just been caught on somebody else's property would have more of a sense of self-preservation than that, mm. you know? Where is his self-preservation? Uh, just, it's so frustrating to me to watch these movies when people just don't do anything. Like, do something stupid at least. Yeah. Like, try to climb through the... the um. Run to the garage gate. door and get, you know, stuck on it. Yeah, yeah. Like Rose McGowan in Scream. Yeah. Which was something. always one of my favorites. Yeah. But something like that. Do something. But that's Don't because, just stand there. you know, Scream's watched a lot of horror movies and they know how all, they're answering all the stupid questions, all the questions that yeah. other ones bring up. Um, yeah. And there's a moment in both this and the original where uh, in this one, someone says, what are we going to do? Shut down Halloween? Yeah. And the, and the other one is like. There'll be panic in the streets. We're going to go house to house? I'm like, yes, go house to house if this guy is on the loose. Shut down Halloween. Shut down Halloween if this guy is – like, why aren't you? You are police. You literally – your job, and you're in this town where you know this guy who has been around for 55 years killing people on Halloween in this town and he's escaped again because no prisoner transfer ever on a TV show or movie has ever – um, actually worked out and transferred a prisoner from one location to another. No. Ever. In the history of ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost more surprising if it didn't work. But, mm. um, oh, yeah, it's the um, the sheriff from Jaws um, effect. Yeah. Where he's like, I can't possibly shut down the beach. People will get mad. Yeah, exactly. Like, when in real life, like, one shark attack and all the beaches are closed for a week. And they go yeah. out and try to kill the shark. Yeah, one one guy tries to put a, a bomb in his shoe, and we all take our shoes off at the airport forevermore. Yeah, exactly. Like that's not how people work. Yeah, like I mean, sometimes they do, but to be that consistently ineffectual forever. No, like that's why you know we live in such a security state now. Mm. Is um because things like that. You know who I did actually feel sorry for when they died were those two cops. Yeah. Um. Even though that was also amazing when they had the header lantern in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And when Ray walks up and I, I saw those glowing lights and I think I'm like, what do you think is happening in there? Like, are you really? There's a serial killer on the loose who's after your mother-in-law. Yeah. He was so fucking dumb. I was so. I before that happened, I was like, God, I hope Ray dies. Yeah. The worst. But I did feel bad for them because all they did was like eat bun me sandwiches. Well, yeah, they were you know? fun. Like they were talking exactly. about their sandwiches and their brownies, and um, they actually weren't jerks, and, and they, they were actually doing do, their jobs yeah. quite well. Exactly. You know, they were watching and they were paying attention. They called things in. They yeah. did their. They were, you know, yeah, um, competent. Yeah, exactly. They didn't deserve it. <laughs> Usually in the Halloween movies, people deserve it. They didn't deserve it. No, or at least they earn it somehow. Um, that kid and those cops, I think, were the, the mm. only ones who didn't deserve And they were the only adult men in the movie who weren't terrible, too. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could make a, an exception for the guy who brought the brownie, but the other guy was great. Yeah. He was charismatic and fun and, you know, yeah, trying to open his partners to uh, open his partner's things. eyes. To, yeah. But the other guy wasn't, like, bad. He was no, just he curmudgeonly. Exactly. He wasn't bad, but at least, you know, the, the other guy was, you know, properly interesting. Yeah. Um, and the whole bun me, it's, it's you know, um, that's a classic sort of horror thing or even thriller thing of like everything's going great and discussing something fun seconds yeah. before 
horrifying event happens. Yeah, I did enjoy the header lantern though. Uh, <laughs> that was funny <laughs> in a horrible way, but funny. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing about that that old guy when he goes, "I'm a doctor, lock your doors." <laughs> 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 he laughs so much, but uh, like nearly the whole next scene. <laughs> Like, I was still giggling over how dumb I'm a Dr. Lock Your Doors was. Yeah, it's, it's very damn it, Jim. I'm a... yeah. Anyway. But not just that. Like, the sheriff is there. Yeah. The sheriff is right there. And he's talking to these like, teenage I'm girls. I'm the sheriff. Like, lock your doors. Yeah, and he I says know. that afterwards. Like, he was like, oh, lock your doors. And the girls actually listen. Oh. Which I think is the movie, like, poking fun at this character. Oh, also who just he... thinks he's, he's so self-important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just thinks he's so – and it, I think he kind of plays on Loomis yeah. in that Loomis also was very self-important and he th- yeah. thought he knew everything. Mm. And I think it's interesting to see that perverted in the way that this doctor was in this film, even though he was so obviously evil right from the start. Yeah. I did – I yeah, I thought that character was probably the best yeah. character in the film that wasn't from the originals. And Judy Greer. I liked yeah, her. It was fun. And also that's like a great line just to show up the ineffectiveness of just locking your doors. Like yes. That's going to stop him. Well, yeah, but also like at least they'd be inside and have a better chance. Yeah, yeah. But he just, I'm a doctor, lock your doors. Okay, doctor. Uh-huh. You know all about locking doors, do you? Oh, there's a bit where the kid takes off his shoes as well and it was the boyfriend took off his shoes. Yeah. And it was like foreshadow. it seemed like foreshadowing mm. and it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I, I these movies are quite good at sort of things that don't get answered i think i think there's quite a few questions that sort of things that they draw your attention to and then don't go anywhere okay i don't know what there are in the first film that are really well i mean apart from everything about michael well there's all these unanswered questions like annie's father is the sheriff for example Mm. and there's a point at which he's talking to someone and he doesn't know his daughter's dead like Mm. there's no surely there'd be some kind of consequence for that like you'd see it it doesn't come back that Mm. like the sheriff's daughter is dead and he therefore takes things seriously. Uh, there's just a few things where you kind of like, oh, that doesn't – questions that don't get answered more than things that are drawn to your attention. Then. Yeah, I think that's but true. I think a lot first, of questions that don't get answered. I think the first one is so contained to or, – or like is so focused on just one story that like all the other stuff is not as important, whereas this one kind of jumps around more in focus. Yeah. Like everything that they do in the first movie keeps – getting tied back to Laurie. Yes. Whereas this one, she doesn't even know about 90% of the murders that happen. Um, That's right. Like it doesn't tie into her at all, which is, I mean, it's not necessarily bad different, but it is different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You just reminded me of the thing that one of the terrible kids says about how, oh, by today's standard, it's not that bad. Laurie Laurie had just said, um, oh, he killed five people, um, which, and I was like, is it five? (laughs) I was trying to work it out, but, it would be more with the, when, once you include the other films, but if they aren't included, then I don't know. No, in the in, yeah, in the first Halloween, he kills. He doesn't kill the nurse, right? She gets away, so he kills that guy on the side of the road. Yes, to get the clothes. The, the cop. Yeah. Um. He kills. Not a cop. He's a mechanic. Mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. He kills that guy, um, and he kills obviously the three the main ones that he kills. But I think there's also um. Is there? Then that's why I was like, there's only four that I could think of, but there might have been another. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the first film. And... Oh, the fifth one is his sister. Oh, right. Yeah, he didn't kill her on the same night, so. No. Um. But, yeah, so they're only counting those kills. Like, well, she's only yeah. counting those kills. As, as compared to this one where he kills the driver of the bus, I think. Yep. Is de- dies before the end of the film. 
He kills the kid in the car and probably his dad because uh-huh. he can't find his dad. He kills those two random women um, in their houses. The two journalists before that. Yep. The doctor. Um, and two teenagers? Three teenagers. And Ray and, and the Ray other two cops. And the other two cops. We're at 14 and I think there's some I've forgotten. Yep. So the body count is different. Quite high. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really think a higher body count makes a better horror film. No, I mean the the bit that makes the first one scary is that we set up the characters of the kids, the teenage girls, really well. We know who these girls are, and we kind of like them, even if they're a bit, you know, they can be a bit silly. We like them, and they're also just doing something so ordinary, which yeah. is babysitting in a quiet suburban street. Laurie, Annie, and Totally is how I think of them in my head. Yeah, I Laurie, don't... Laurie, Annie, and Linda. Oh, Linda. I wrote a note when I watched the first one about adults writing teen dialogue. Oh uh, my god! With all the totallys that she says, the, I'm like, there's yeah. no way that real teenagers were talking like that even in the 70s. The that, 1978 script is not great. That's well, there's some lines that are quite fun, but yeah, but there's also some that are just like really on the nose. Yeah. Oh, I was going to talk about um, Michael and dehumanizing him. Um, one thing that everybody else does but Laurie absolutely refuses to do is dehumanize him the old the doctor and the podcast people and all that they refer to him as the animal or it or at one point literally property of the state yes and she's like no he's a human being Mm. um I thought that was that was interesting that sort of she's the only one who's seen clearly here like he is a person and that's the scary thing not not that he he's not an animal he is a person yeah. Who's doing this? Um, and the the parallels between them in this were really well done. Mm-hmm. And, and you know they talk a bit about the effect of the um, events on both the killer and the and the victims, mm. which is mostly spouted by the crazy man. So you can't take it too se- or the crazy doctor. So you yeah, can't yeah. take it too seriously. But it is interesting. Yeah, well, must be pretty close together because I've written next to one another in my notes. How does a crime like Michael's affect him and then he's property of the state? Like, that's within a couple of sentences. Mm. He says both of those things and, like, he just yeah, – yeah, that doctor is, is – um, um, I, I was just also going through my notes noted two more deaths, the two guys in the garage – so oh yeah, but with the, the guy with oh, the jaw detached. Yeah, yeah, at the um at the service station. At the service oh, station. Oh, that's incredibly well done. Like where it all happens behind him, where mm-hmm. he's like when he's punching the guy behind the through the window while the girl goes out to the toilet. Yeah, yeah. She's like, Oh, where's the toilet? And he tells her and then she's gone, but by the time her um the other guy guy gets there, he's dead. Yeah. And we're seeing while she's there, yeah, she's he's taking out the guy in the background. It's mm. Yeah. I thought the um having him all in white at the beginning was very effective. Mm. Um, and I was almost sad when he went back to his normal Michael Myers look because just then you could look just look for flashes of white in the background and be creeped out. Yeah. Um, which was very effective. I mean, the mask is pretty white and that's how they use it. Yeah. But his his costume is... And so is, aged too. It looks great. Oh, yeah. It's great. Um, his costuming is just one of the most simple and effective costumes in all of horror. Like, he's wearing like coveralls mm. and big heavy boots and that the obviously the William Shatner mask and he's it's all like physic it's really easy to dress up for for Halloween if you if you need a costume but like it's all in his physicality of like him being so tall and so big 
Yeah. And stompy boots and all that stuff. That's the thing, the stompy boots. I was noticing that in the, he's so good at sneaking around. How is he so good at sneaking around? But then when he goes into the bathroom, it's like stomp, stomp, stomp. Or like above them in the house, it's like stomp, stomp. If he sounds like that all the time, they would know he was coming instead of him constantly being able to just sneak up on people and grab them through doors. Something that bothered me about this movie, because that's not a thing that he does in the first one. But stompy boots. Stompy boots. But this one is very stompy. Yeah. With his boots. And I like, think it's to build it's to build tension, but at yeah. the same time you're like, there's no way that he's this stompy when he's also this quiet. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Like it works well in the say in the ladies' toilets because a big heavy stompy boots here in the in the ladies' room is not what you expect to hear, right? I think that's a co ed to- uh, uh co ed. No, it had ladies' lounge written outside it. Oh it did? I yeah. thought there was like a I wasn't paying attention. There. Yeah, no, it's a it's a ladies' room. And there's no trough either. It's just um just stalls. So okay. It doesn't look like a men's room. Um, yeah, so that was kind of strange because, of course, he can move like nobody's business. That was the other, the other bit that I thought was really funny from the doctor when the guy is like, the, the sheriff is like, sit still. And he goes, I was sitting still anyway. What are you talking about? <laughs> really funny to me. Yeah, I yeah. That guy was so great. I yeah, really and then he, someone him. brings him a blanket and he's like, oh, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I really enjoyed that. That was really funny to yeah. me. That great, and, he's a great background character. Like the kid um, that she's babysitting for, yeah. too, by the way. Did I already talk about him? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He just was really like, he seemed to be really enjoying being in this movie and I appreciated him for that. Yeah. He was really going for it, you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, if you're going to do a, a Halloween movie, you've got to beat in the Halloween movie. Exactly. And he really he really went for it. I thought he was so much fun. Mm. Even though he was creepy as hell and, you know, it's scary when the girl is in the car with him because you know yeah. that he's creepy as hell. And it was still kind of fun when he turned around and killed the cop that you thought would be because he seems like he's going to keep being important through the whole movie. So it's really the only scare, I think, where it's like or the only death where it's a real surprise Yeah, when that cop dies. Yeah, and the um, doctor kills him, yeah. Yeah, when the doctor kills him. That's really – and it's not even a Michael death. No. So. That that was – and and Michael's there and the doctor does it so that Michael will witness it. Oh, that's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. I liked that a lot. Yeah, that's that sort of mm-hmm. – I, I I like what that says as well. Like what, what kind of person is obsessed with serial killers yeah. and what kind of person is obsessed with this serial killer. Yeah. Which is a similar thing with Loomis, I guess, in the first one. The last thing I want to say is – I'm willing to bet that the director of this movie wants to remake Repo Man. Oh, really? Because in the first film, the movie that's playing on TV is The Thing from Another World. Yes. Which is, of course, the film that John Carpenter remade later into The Thing, which is one of the greatest remakes of all time. And if you haven't seen it, you have to. It's Mm. amazing. But yeah, he's got Repo Man on the TV. Um, And I was like... Maybe he wants to remake that. There's another movie as well, but I don't think it's quite as as Yeah, in the old one, the focus. other movie is Forbidden Planet. Yeah. That is playing with the other in the other house. Um but that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Repo Man. Okay. Um and I recognized it but I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. But it movie. said at the end, right? Yeah, it said at the end. Has and also they had masks from Halloween three and all this other cool stuff in the credits. Oh, yeah. That I hadn't noticed. But oh also the the credits pumpkin, the actual pumpkin that is in the credits is in the movie. Um, Dave, oh, there's yes. a shot that pans the, down from Dave. Because it's got that weird triangle nose that's got a slash to yeah. the mouth. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that. Yeah, yeah. That was neat. Okay. Um, I think that's all I have to say. Okay. Uh, should oh, we? oh. And the I, I thought the tension in the Laurie and Michael showdown was the best tension in the film. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of it. 
Yeah, and scary. that also had some of the more iconic shots as well, like the mm. better um, – that cabin of hers was really like that warm wood country cabin. I love that she's got this like rustic, you know, um, farm lady kitchen and then you move the, the kitchen island out of the way to get down to the basement. Yeah. All that stuff is really cool. It was really cool. There's so many rooms and she doesn't seem to use half of them, but it was really cool. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, there's many, many questions. Um, but, yeah, it was cool and I like – and the – doors slamming down and everything and all of her tricks and things that didn't really fully prepare her. And then going out the window like in, he did in the yeah, first yeah, movie yeah. and then he looks down uh, and she's gone. Yeah. Another perf- parallel between them. Perfectly echoing it. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Do you want to give it a rating? I'm going to say three and a half stars. Do yeah. A lot lately, but that's what I feel about this one. Yeah. I'm going to give it uh, – it's hard to tie to disentangle my personal discomfort of watching horror movies from the movie itself it's like me watching romantic comedies where i'm yeah, like, like i don't like them. i would give it a three but i just don't like ho- I, horror movies and I, I feel like that's slightly unfair but also it's like as far as horror movies go it's pretty decent and mm. well made so like three and a half would be fairer really on the film but it's not they're not necessarily for me yeah so i'll go with three and a half because i think you know err on the side of generosity but yeah I, it's you know Horror is just not really my thing. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Because whenever we see romantic comedies, I'm like, but I don't like them. Yeah. Even when I like them, there's just something about them that I just find cringy and annoying. And I completely understand that, like, there's a genre of movies that just, no matter how many you see and no matter how much you appreciate that it's well done, it's just not yeah. your you've thing. You've got to go through it. You've got to go through all the tropes and you've got to see them, even though you know how they're going to go. Yep. And it's like, ugh. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll wrap up. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. The website's had a makeover this week too, by the way. If you would like to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.